Welcome back to the College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Haynes. It is so good to be with y'all tonight for the podcast. Sadly, we do not have Trey or Grant here for this podcast tonight. Uh, They have some other business to take care of, so it's just going to be me with y'all tonight. I'm so excited. I got a lot on the plate. There's been a lot happening in college football. We had the National Signing Day that happened. We had a couple of rumors happening within Auburn right now that we're going to talk about a couple, maybe a scandal possibly. And then we have some NIL talk. And when I mean NIL talk, I mean a discussion slash rant possibly coming up for the podcast. But that's what's on the plate. I'm excited to get it in with it with y'all. I, man, I cannot even speak. I'm excited to get into it with y'all. There we go. That's that's better grammar there. Um, let's first start with the National Signing Day. Um, a couple of big names that signed. Jacoby Matthews, one of the top uh, recruits on the board he signed with Texas A&M, as did one of the top the top defensive linemen in Shamar Stewart, signed with Texas A&M, which makes Texas A&M have the best recruit, recruiting class of all time. Yes, you heard it. The best recruiting class of all time, time topping that 2010 Florida class, I believe. Or the, 2000, the 2020 Alabama, then the 2010 Florida. Uh, then you have Harold Perkins. He signed with LSU. This was by far Brian Kelly's biggest win and biggest, I guess, headline of when he's been at cute coach besides dancing with players on recruiting trips. Um, we don't really need to get into that. His dancing was bad anyway. Uh, let's talk about the top classes. 29 commits for Texas A&M. Seven five-stars. Yes, you heard that. Seven five-stars, 19 four-stars, and three three-stars. So, really, really top-heavy for Texas A&M. Alabama, 25 commits, 3 five-stars, 19 four-stars, and 3 three-stars. Georgia, 29 commits, 5 five-stars, 15 four-stars, and 9 three-stars. And then Ohio State, 21 commits, 2 five-stars, 17 four-stars, and 2 three-stars. Texas, 28 commits, 2 five-stars, 19 four-stars, and 6 Three stars. Those are the top five classes. So we have representation for the top three with the SEC, one from the Big Ten, and one from the Big 12. Now, let's get into some some recruiting talk. But a lot of it, it was just from what's been swirling around the Texas A&M program. Uh, if you look at Texas A&M recruiting class, you're talking about seven five stars and 19 four stars. There's been a lot of speculation that's been happening as to whether or not Texas A&M cheated or repaying their recruits. Now, we understand the NIL is out um, for college programs, and you're allowed, to, you're allowed to create deals as college players. But people are still saying that Texas A&M paid $30 million for their recruiting class. They called out for cheating. You don't get five, seven five-stars. That's just not possible. The, the biggest, biggest recruiting class, you guys are always 8-4, and 9-3. and three. Why is Texas A&M doing this? I really want to get into NIL and how I believe with this, with this recruiting cycle, how I think it is helping and hurting the sport at the same time. A lot of people might disagree with me on this, but I think it's a, it's a balance of both, hurting and helping. Now, is the rumor true that they spent $30 million? I won't answer that. I'll come back with the question. 
What if it's not true? Think about it. If they didn't spend $30 million on this on this recruiting class, why is it not possibly the culture that's at Texas A&M? Jimbo's, he, he knows how to build a culture. He built a culture at Florida State. He won a national championship at Florida State. He knows how to build a culture there. And what happens if this Texas A&M culture is one of those? I've heard from a lot of recruits that it's more of a family atmosphere. Not only that, but it's Texas. It has phenomenal, phenomenal facilities. Um, so that's that that could also play into recruiting. That's played into recruiting for the last, what, 30, 35 years? Because the better the facilities are, the better the program you're going to have a lot of times with recruiting and the more guys you're going to attract. Now, it might be changing with NIL, but we're going to start talking about that. So, with Jimbo went on his rant, it can, it's it's very possible that it was more of a people are saying, "Oh, he went on, he just went on this rant and he got really angry because he knows it's true." Well, how do you know that? How do you know that Jimbo Fisher is not getting mad because what you're telling is a lie? And he doesn't like lies swirling around about his program when in reality they just did extremely well in the recruiting. They had a really good cycle. The kids that they brought in, they had a really good, um, they had a really good recruiting visits that I've heard. And and the, the kids really like Texas A and M and that family atmosphere and the great facilities that they have and Jimbo as a coach. So the question back to you: If you say they cheated, what if they did it? And this was just a really really great recruiting cycle for Texas A and M. Now, I think there's a lot more in play than we realize. I love to look into things deeper than what we realize. And this Texas A&M, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Texas, this top-heavy recruiting class, you have to look at it from an NIL perspective. I'm going to repeat that again. You have to look at it from an NIL perspective. I'm going to put some quotes out here. Nick Saban on NIL. It's not a bad thing that players can use their name, image, and likeness, Saban said. I think when we start using name, image, and likeness to get a player to come to our school, then that's where I kind of draw the line. It shouldn't be because this school is giving is going to give me this much and that school is going to give me that much. That was quoted from Nick Saban. That's what he said on NIL. Now, let's go to uh, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin on NIL. He said, what would the NFL look like? He's referring to NFL here. If there were a couple of teams in the NFL where their salary cap was 10 times more than anybody else's salary cap, Giffen said. That's where you're headed. They're going to have to do something. And now, Nick Saban is showing that, hey, look, I'm not going to recruit in a way that's going to bring a kid to my school based off of me paying the money or what they're going to get sponsor-wise. He's going to bring in a kid because he wants to build him as a person. He wants to build him as a man. He wants them to get to the pros. Lane Kiffin here is saying... Hey, NFL, think of it as college now. There are multiple programs that are bigger than other programs. And it's it's just true. There's bigger fan base. There's no comparison. Let's go to the college football player. There's no comparison to Alabama and Cincinnati. Alabama is a much better program. All right? Maybe the culture could be the same. Programs nicer. Facilities are nicer. Boosters are nicer. Investors are nicer. I mean... There's more money to be spent in an Alabama program. And Lane Kiffin here is comparing that to a salary cap in the NFL. You're going to be able to get more players. So when you put NIL into it, if if there's 
more money involved possibly with going to Alabama because of better boosters. Maybe there's, again, better facilities, better coaching, better opportunities at bigger schools. I would say there's a better opportunity at Alabama than Tulane. Sorry, no offense, Tulane, but there is. And that's where Lane Kiffin's trying to go here. I, I look at it as a school's reputation is what makes NIL riches a reality. Got that off of got that off of, of an article that I read. A school's reputation is what makes NIL riches a reality. Think about that statement. Like what I just said, Alabama, Alabama being that that top that top school, Texas A&M, Georgia, Texas, Ohio State, that reputation surrounding their program is going to get more players to come to their school because with more reputation becomes more money. You're going to get more people to come to your game. You're going to get better people to sponsor your program. There's people that are going to be invested into the program that are going to want to put money into the program to see the program succeed. A lot of things have been swirling around about Travis Hunter from Florida State. And people are saying, oh, wow, look at this. Travis Hunter going to Jackson State. NIL is making everything better now. They're going to start evening it out. I think that's wrong. I think NIL will make it worse. I think it will make the power gap worse. Now think about this for a second. We it's, it's great now that players are getting paid. But think about how it's costing college football. How important are boosters to a school? Really, how, how important are boosters to a school? If you if you think about it, a lot of a lot of maybe facilities could come from boosters. A lot of I would say a lot of like of the equipment that you could see for a program could come from booster money. Now, think about this question. Come to my school and I'll give you an NIL deal. A lot of these boosters probably own businesses. And it would benefit not only the player, but them as well. So if you're saying, hey, come to my school, I'll give you an NIL deal. I'll pay you such and such amount for you to be, for you to go on your Instagram and to sponsor my, sponsor my company. It's a win-win. Because that player may be really good. And then he gets money from that company because he's, he's, he's sponsored by them. And he's advertising for them. So in turn, everybody that's going to follow this player is going to want to come is going to want to come to this person's business. <coughs> Excuse me. If you look at it from that perspective, you can't. You cannot tell me with some recruiting that's going on nowadays that this was going to start to become the norm. Nick Saban says, "Hey, we're not going to do. We're not going to. Hey, we're not going to say. Oh, this player." Um, come to my school because you're going to get good NIL deals. Come to my school because your name, image, and likeness is going to get used and you're going to get a lot of money. He says, oh no, we're going to recruit the way that we always recruited. Kirby Smart, Jimbo, all these guys maybe are recruiting the way that they're going to recruit by with a culture, building as a family, getting these guys to come in and make them pro-ready. But you know who will recruit differently? Differently? Then the coaches, boosters, boosters and investors into the program. You cannot tell me as a recruit 
If I'm sitting down with a program, let's say I have, we'll pick a Big 12 school. Let's say we'll, we'll choose Iowa State. And let's say I'm going against Georgia. Iowa State and Georgia. If Matt Campbell sits down, and I love Matt Campbell as a coach. I think he's a great guy. And he says, hey, I'll get you pro ready for four years. You're going to come in. You're going to play. You're going to start. And then Georgia comes in and says, Kirby Smart says, hey, I don't think you would start right away. But give it a couple years and you're going to be really good. And then I guarantee you, you'd probably go to the pros. But you're going to sit the bench for the first couple years. For me as a player, I want to play right away. And Iowa State doesn't seem that bad. I like Matt Campbell as a coach. I think, and, and you have a better relationship with Matt Campbell than you do with Kirby Smart. But let's change it up. Let's say a booster comes in. And he says, hey, I'll give you such and such amount to come to Georgia. And we'll just call it an NIL deal. You can be sponsored by me, but I'm going to give you this such and such amount so you can come to Georgia. Think about the change in college football this is going to bring. Think about that. I guarantee you that's happening now. As much as Jimbo may deny it, as much as Alabama may deny it, I guarantee you some of those recruits were approached by boosters, investors, businessmen that pour into that Alabama program and they want good players to come there. I would say Harold Perkins at LSU could be one of them. Think about NIL deals that that there's a huge, there's a massive boosters at LSU. Massive. You can't tell me that maybe a booster came up to Harold Perkins and said, hey, you sign with LSU, I'll give you a, a such and such amount. And then you'll be you'll be home free for at LSU. You'll just be able to play football and then have $100,000 in the bank. Think about that. I, I, I'm not, that's not wrong to do. College football is now at that stage where they're allowing that. But I'm, but what I'm saying is, is the group of five now, what's the point? What's the point of the lower power five? You're, you're saying that, that having these NIL deals is going to help recruiting. I don't think it is. I think it's going to hurt recruiting even worse. And you can look into this class. You can look how Texas A&M got seven five stars. You can look how Alabama got four, how Georgia got three. You look at all these five, these four stars, 19 four stars, 19, 15, 17, 19, 13, 16, 15. Like, look at all the, five, the four stars and look at all the five stars in the top 10 of recruiting. It is ridiculous. It is a ridiculous amount of number of five stars that have gone to these bigger programs that are name-branded. The amount of five stars that are going there because maybe NIL deals and opportunity is better at that school. Coaches may say, hey, we're not cheating. We're recruiting players the way we've always recruited them. They just want to come to our school. Well, how do you know a booster is not doing that behind doing the behind the scenes work? How do you know that? I guarantee you that's happening in college football. And I'm not saying that it's that it's wrong to do, but I'm saying it's hurting the sport. It's hurting the sport in a way where recruiting is not going to be... Creating relationships with players will be important, but that won't be the center. It'll be like, what opportunity, what NIL opportunity do I have at a school? Some players might not think like that, but I guarantee you most will think like that. All right. Let's move on uh, to another situation I want to get into, and that's Brian Harson. 
Brian Harson. A lot of rumors have been going around about this guy. Six and seven. He had five straight losses to end the year. He was not in the most ideal situation to start. Um, he when he came in as the Auburn head coach, he was not the guy they wanted. Um, they brought him in because they needed a head coach. He definitely was not their first or second option. So, in turn, you can see how there's some already broken relationship really within the program. Now, there's rumors swirling that he's not the greatest guy. He's got a winner's mentality, but he's not the greatest guy. Here, I'm going to read something from a, an Auburn player that he said about Brian Harson. All right. Quote, Coach Harson has the true mindset for a winner, but has a terrible mindset as a person. The reason I chose to leave Auburn, because we got treated like we wasn't good enough and like dogs. That when you first read that in the light, you're like, wow, that's actually how the program, that's actually how the culture is right now around Auburn. I will say there are two sides to every story. And if you look at other players, there's been players that have agreed with the guy, the transfer, Lee Hunter. They've said that they were treated like dogs and they treated like they weren't good enough. But then there are players that come out and said, Auburn family, don't believe the things you see. Coach Hartson works harder than no other man to put this program in the best position to be successful, point blank, period. We are behind him 100% no matter what he what's being said. Great man of character who loves this team. Stop with the BS. We didn't need a best friend. We needed a coach. That's what we had. Also, listen and listen carefully. Coach Hartson is my football coach. He's a leader I want to have in my corner. If you have a problem with his discipline, toughness, and conviction that he stills in his players, then get your entitled, selfish, and soft tail out of the way of this program. Those are just some of the tweets that were put out. Just some. And I'm telling you, in coaching, you're not always going to be, you can't always be the nice guy. I'm going to say that again. You can't always be the nice guy. Some players are not going to like you. Some players are going to like you. Right? It, it is their choice whether or not they want to come to this program. And I understand some of those players weren't recruited by Coach Harson. Some were recruited by Coach Malzahn. But when you're a coach, there has to be standards that you set down. And sometimes the standards aren't the ones that you like. Or maybe you just don't get along with the coach in some ways. So hearing what I'm, I'm hearing from two sides of the story... I think this is with every program. There are players that are not going to like the coach. And that's what the transfer portal is about. My thing is, is that you don't have to go out and you don't have to attack this man's character. There's a reason why you left. But you don't have to go in and say, hey, this, this coach treated us like dogs. And now you're starting rumors all over the place. All over the place. And you're just giving Auburn, you're just giving them more of a chance to, to fire this coach that some players actually like. Again, two sides to every story. I guarantee you there are some players in the Alabama and Georgia programs that aren't happy with what's happening. They don't like the culture. They don't like how their, their role in the program is. That's why some transferred out. You can look at Jermaine Burton. He did not like his role in the program. 100%. That is why he transferred and went to Alabama. He wanted a role as a receiver. 
when you're at Georgia, there's a role of receiver, but it's not as prevalent. Brian Harson also had 20, he had 20 guys transfer out. So they used the transfer portal in that sense. He was referred to as a dictator by Kobe Hudson. And not only this, now a scandal has arisen with an assistant. He got a, a, a little too uh, frisky with an assistant to say. And uh, there's some rumors swirling around as well as the rumors with other players and former players that, that aren't best for this man's character. Now, whether the rumors are true or not, all right, he's innocent until proven guilty. But I feel like in some areas of Auburn football and in some areas of the national media, he's guilty until he's proven innocent. People are attacking Harson for his character. Now, I'm not saying here, I'm not saying, hey, look, this guy is, is 100% innocent. He might be, he might be guilty. But I don't know. I don't have all the facts laid out. They're just rumors as of right now. For But for some people to go out and to attack his character and attack who he is and now saying that he's fired, which again, I think he actually probably will be fired, it, it's wrong to do. Now, I'm going to look at, I want you to look at option A. I'm going to have an option A for what's going to happen with Brian Harson. Option A, Harson will be fired. It's as simple as that. He's going to be fired. Now, option A, option B. I'll get to option option B is they will retain him. But there are some sub points around option A and option B that I want to get into. I believe option A is going to happen. I think Harson will be fired. And here's a sub point here. Even if he is innocent, how do you come back from this? How do you? You've been attacked by the national media. Auburn boosters definitely don't want you in the program. It's already been said enough. Uh, Josh Pate for the 24-7 podcast said something said something really great today. He said, Auburn's Brian Harson. he's talking about the Auburn's boosters, I mean. It's possible to love a program to death, look at Auburn football. I think that explains it enough. I mean, we're talking about NIL deals, and we're talking about how, how much power boosters have and and you're looking at Harson now the boosters probably the boosters investors the administration probably didn't want him to begin with and now they're seeing these these things arise within the program it gives you doubt and it gives you now a reason to fire him even if he is innocent you can always say hey I don't I just don't think it's not working out here at the program you're I'm, we're gonna have to fire you after one year Option B, they will retain him. Subpoint, if they retain him, it'll make matters worse. Now, it's never good for a program to have frustration between the administration and the coach. Usually when there's frustration between administration and the coach, things never end well. If this happens, if they retain him, this is the turning, pro- turning point for the Auburn program. Right here. This is the turning point. And by turning point, I mean it's going to go downhill. Because then there's going to be frustration between administration, possibly with boosters, and the coaching staff. That's not a healthy program. The culture is probably going to be trash within Auburn. You're, you're talking about all these things within Auburn if you retain him. 
Now, if you fire him, guess what? There's also downsides. You're out of the game for, for good head coaches. There's Your guy's probably not on the board that you want. Now, it's not too late in the game, but it's pretty late in the game already. So, as we look past this, as we not look past it, as we look forward in this situation, we look at this situation as a whole, I don't see any way out for Brian Harson. I think he will ultimately be fired, even if he is innocent, because of the perception from players now, because of the perception of the national media, and because the administration and the boosters aren't really fond of him. All right, coaching news. Josh Gaddis to Miami. I want I want to get into this Michigan aspect of Josh Gaddis going to Miami, but let's first talk about the, the Miami aspect. Mario Cristobal. When he got to Miami, Miami, they were, I think they were top 70 in recruiting. Um, and they didn't have an, an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. Whew. A little cold here. Mario Cristobal now has a top 25 class. And his offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator is the Broles Award winner for 2021. And his defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, is currently uh, the Broles Award, was currently a former Broles Award finalist. So you're talking about two elite coordinators here that Mario Cristobal signed. I'm looking at this now in Miami, and it's which one, and I saw this thing on 24-7 Sports, which one would you put stock into? Which one? Well, actually, I didn't, which one? Miami or USC? I forgot to mention USC here. Which one would you put stock into? If I'm being honest, USC has a, a culture bidder and a winner in Lincoln Riley. Mario Cristobal can recruit. He's got good coaches around him. Because I think what lacks with Mario, what, what he benefits so much in recruiting, how good a recruiter he is, he lacks in coaching ability. But I think with these two coordinators, with Josh Gaddis and Kevin Steele, I think this really dials up the offensive game plan and the defensive game plan from here on out with Miami. All right, let's move on to Michigan. This is the segment I really want to get into. All right, let's sit back in our chairs and think about Michigan a month and a half ago. Jim Harbaugh had this Michigan program number two in the college football rankings in the college football playoff Big Ten champs and had beaten Ohio State and Iowa now losing all their players lost terribly in the college football playoff Jim Harbaugh interviewed for an NFL job they lost their defensive and offensive coordinator to different jobs how are you feeling as a Michigan fan? Are you angry? Are you upset? Are you confused? Are you looking toward the future to see what it's going to behold? Like, there's so many questions now about this Michigan program, and I thought they were set in stone for what could arise for beating Ohio State and getting to the college football playoff. But this thing happened with Jim Harbaugh interviewing for an NFL job, and there's nothing wrong with interviewing for an NFL job. You can go interview interview for an NFL job, and it could be it could be great. 
it could be great. You could get the job. You could you can now be an NFL head coach. But what happens if you don't get the job? That's the big question. It's really risky going after an NFL job when you still have a college coaching job because you look at now the program and you look at the offensive and defensive coordinators and you're looking at all these these graduate these these assistants around them and now there's doubt in the mind, okay, if my head coach is, is interviewing for a job that he's possibly going to get, there's no reason for me to stay around anymore. <coughs> there really isn't. It's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Dan Mullen aspect, not as bad. Dan Mullen checked out, I think, last year because he thought he was going to get a chance at an NFL head coaching job, but he didn't. He didn't. And he checked out, and now look at the Florida program. Is he there? Nope. Is he fired? Yep. Even after a good year with Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask? Yep. Because he had a terrible year this year? Yep. Why? Is because you checked out. He thought he can get an NFL job. He didn't get the NFL job. I'm afraid. I don't think it will happen, but I'm afraid with Jim Harbaugh, the same thing could happen. After getting the college football playoff, he checked out, and he thought he was going to get this NFL job, which he didn't. And guess what? He lost both of his top coordinators. Now, Josh Gaddis, he didn't leave because, especially in the post that he had, in the, the comments that he had, he did not leave because Jim Harbaugh was interviewed for an NFL job. He left because the administration didn't respect him. Now, I've heard rumors that he thought he could be the... If Jim Harbaugh went to Minnesota, it's possible that Josh Gaddis could have been the next head coach for Michigan, but the administration, I'm guessing, didn't think that at all. And Josh Gaddis didn't feel appreciated, and that's why he left. And now Michigan's stuck in a little bit of a hole. Your top offensive coordinator... You lost Hassan Haskins, Ojabo, Hutchinson, Daxton Hill. You're losing all these huge players on defense and offense. And you have to think, is next year a rebuilding year for Michigan? Is Jim Harbaugh going to be able to come into this with this Michigan program and actually get us to an 10-2, an 11-1 year? Actually get over the hump for Ohio State? See, it's one thing to beat Ohio State. It's another thing to beat them twice and then get in a roll against them. You can beat them once, but if you beat them once and then go back into a seven-year, ten-year hole, then did you really get over the hump for Ohio State? I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think that you got over the hump for Ohio State. And I think Michigan fans would say the exact same thing. I think next year is an important milestone for them to come in and, and compete with Ohio State and win. So with this program the way it is, I think it's going to be very hard to do that, and I think it's very going to it's going to be very hard to replicate replicate exactly what they've done this year in the Michigan program, especially with Jim Harbaugh possibly checking out and their two offensive coordinators leaving, and all the players that they lost to the NFL. All right, let's move on from all the talking points that we had, and let's move on to the ACC. Now we've been going through in the podcasts letter grades for different conferences and their programs that are in their conferences. We went through the SEC, we went through the Big Ten, now we're on the ACC. The ACC had a weird year. I would not have expected 
Wake Forest and Pittsburgh to be in the, the ACC championship game. No one expected that, except if you were a Pittsburgh or Wake Forest fan. Uh, and maybe they maybe they didn't even think of that. I, I for sure thought it would be Clemson and UNC or Clemson and Miami or Clemson and anybody, to be honest, because I thought Clemson was, was going to be at the top of the ACC. Uh, but it didn't happen like that. It didn't. Wake Forest. Let's start with you. Wake Forest, 11-3, Atlantic Division champs. I gave them an A. But I could have given them an A+, plus, but I didn't because it could have been more. They lost to Clemson. They lost to North Carolina in a way they shouldn't have lost. They were up in that game. If they would have been able to knock off Clemson, if they would have been able to knock off North Carolina, it could have been a whole lot better for Wake Forest. You could have gone and you could have gone in the championship game undefeated. Now, I think you could have lost to Clemson, and I but I, I severely think that you should have I definitely think that you should have beat uh North Carolina. But you didn't. And you end up with the eleven and three year, and I think you played in the Cheese Bowl. No, not the Cheese Bowl. I forget what bowl you played in, but it wasn't a big bowl game because you lost in the ACC championship game. So I give you an A because usually Wake Forest you aren't this good. But it was impressive to see what you guys did. And next year, it's maybe even better because Sam Hartman, Hartman's back. All right. NC State, 9-3. and three. I give them a B plus. They knocked off Clemson, so that really bumps up their grade. I thought they played extremely well um, throughout the year. But again, it's 9-3 it, is good for NC State. Could have been more, but I'll give them a B plus. I'm, I'm happy with that. They get a little sticker. Clemson, 10-3. and three. I give them a B. They they had a rough start to the year. Overall, when you start to see them play later on in the year, you could see that this was a top fifteen team. But I think they just could they couldn't find their footing on offense. That's why I gave them a B. If they could have just found their footing on offense, I think this team could be in the college football playoff with the defense that they had. But DJ Uyunglele didn't play well the entire year. He was average at best. And I think that really hurt Clemson this year. They got a new QB coming in, Cade Klubnik, but I don't know if he's going to, I don't know if he'll start. Hunter Johnson could start. DJ could start. It all depends what's going to happen within that Clemson program. All right, Louisville. I gave them a C, six and seven. Malik Cunningham's really good. So I expect a whole lot more next year for Louisville to play well, especially if Malik Cunningham is coming back. You can't waste that guy's talent. All right. Woo. Excuse me. Uh, FSU. Five and seven. I give them a C minus. Now, I gave them a C minus because they lost to Jacksonville State and they lost to your rival Florida, even though they started playing well at the end of the year. I thought they could be so much more. I thought they could have been a top 25 team. But overall, they it's just such a bad start for them, especially starting at 0-4, 0-5, I believe. Just wasn't a great start for Florida State. And it's disappointing because I think Mark Norville's a great coach, and I think he's going to get Florida State there. But time's starting to run out. Next year, if you have another bad year, I don't think Mike Norville's there. I really don't. Even if the culture he's building is great. All right. 
I'll have two more schools. Syracuse and Boston College. Syracuse, I give a C, 5 and 7. Not a bad year. Well, it's a bad year for some schools, but it, almost 500 for Syracuse is decently good. BC, 6 and 6. I give him a C. Part is why Phil Dracovic was hurt for a lot of the year. I thought BC was going to actually be really good. But with Phil Dracovic being out for a little bit, I think that really hurt BC's chances. All right, let's move on to the Coastal Division. Let's go to Pittsburgh. 11-3. I gave them an A+. You're the ACC champs. You got to get an A+. To them, I think this is just a not a fluke year, but I think it, when you have Kenny Pickett at quarterback, I think that's really going to help you. And they got the one good year that they had him. All right, Miami. 7-5. I gave them a C. I don't know what happened to Yuri King. I don't know what happened to this Miami program. Manny Diaz is out. But it's so much expectation coming into the year for Miami and then getting shellacked by Alabama and then just faltering to begin the year. It just it didn't look great. They got a new good QB, though. Tyler Van Dyke, he has a lot of potential for next year, and I think this Miami team will be improved next year. Virginia Tech, 6-7. and seven, Give them a C. They started out really well when they beat UNC, but other than that, they're just they did not have they did not have the offense needed or sometimes the defense needed to sustain a a good uh, didn't have the the talent or the um I can't even think of the word offense or defense needed to sustain momentum for the year. That's the word. Uh Virginia 6 and 6. I give them a B. Not a bad year for Virginia. Not a bad year. Uh, Armstrong, Brendan Armstrong was a great QB all year for Virginia. He played really well. I think Virginia's got something special next year with him. Now, let's get to this team. UNC, I give them an F. And I, I think we all know the reason why. Six and seven, losing your arch rival in a bowl game. Well, not arch rival, but arch rival in a bowl game in South Carolina. Starting the year out with so much expectations with Sam Howell at QB and then laying an egg against Virginia Tech and then losing to Georgia Tech. It was difficult. It was hard to watch at some points. So UNC, I give you an F for that performance this year. Uh, Georgia Tech, Duke, both 3-9. and nine. I both give them a D. It didn't really... I watched a little bit of Georgia Tech this year. Jameer Gibbs was the bright spot, obviously, but nothing much with Georgia Tech. Jeff Collins is trying to do the best he can. But Georgia Tech's really behind the times when it comes to uh, the program. And Duke, behind the times, too. Now David Cutcliffe is gone. Uh, wondering and see how uh, I believe that Tony Elliott is the new head coach for Duke. I'm not positive. I believe he's a new head coach. Uh, hopefully I know my stats. But it'll be interesting to see what Tony Elliott, Tony Elliott does next year for Duke. All right, that's going to be the end of the podcast. I really enjoyed. I know it's a shorter podcast because we don't have a lot of guys on here today with Trey and Grant. I would love to talk with them and heard their thoughts about the NIL, um, about Brian Harson, about Josh Gaddis in Michigan and these ACC. But sometimes it just doesn't work like that. I enjoy talking with y'all. Hopefully, in the next podcast, they will be here and we can talk more about college football in these upcoming maybe preseason next week. I know that's really early for preseason, but hey, it's college football talk, and we love it. Again, we are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts, and we are on RSS.com. Go check us out. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Really appreciate it for the podcast. That would help us out a lot. 
Uh, thanks you, thanks for y'all joining us. Um, I'm your host, Zachary Haynes. You guys have a great night.